0: Welcome to The Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet. By Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of The How Movement. Movement dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And
1: we're back, ladies and gentlemen, live on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I have another tremendous guest with me today. Her name is Laura. Nicole Diamond. She's the author of Shelter Us, and it examines the tragedy of an infant's death uh, and the inner turmoil that she battles as a mother trying to lead a meaningful life uh, with her family in sunny Southern California. Uh, Laura is also a civil rights lawyer uh, and a former editor in chief for uh, LA mag LA Family Magazine. Excuse me. How are you, my dear?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: <laughs> it's an honor to have you on for such a, a heavy topic um but a necessary topic to discuss uh Of course, this is a novel, and of course everyone will ask you if this a personal story
0: um the The story about the death of the infant is not a personal story to me. I am very fortunate that I' never suffered a tragedy like that. I am a mom of two boys like Sarah. And uh, Sarah, like me, is also a former attorney. Um, But really, the story in some ways I felt was just a universal one, which is when a parent does suffer a tragedy like that, and it doesn't have to be um, the death of a child. You know, a lot of people who suffer a miscarriage really feel that they've lost a a real person Mm -hmm. in their life. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much of that feeling, even as parents who haven't suffered a miscarriage, there's all, we're always so worried that you know about keeping them safe, making sure every every you know drawer is safety proof from a baby. So there's this constant kind of underlying emotion of I've got to make sure everything's going to be okay. So by writing sure. about Sarah, who d- had the worst happen, I wanted to explore that that universal parental fear. Um, but I also think that it's not necessarily so much about that. You know, we find out at the very beginning of the book that that's happened to Sarah, and it becomes more about how did, does she go on and how does she find meaning and joy in life.
1: Well, you know, how do you heal uh, from that? Because it's a moment of grief. Um, and loss of an infant, especially if we're talking about, you know, an actual death of a, of a child, or or, or miscarriage, uh, or even if you have to, if you're forced to abort, um, all of those are is- issues that bring up uh, uh, feelings and emotions that will be with you for the rest of your life. Even if you do go on and have kids and 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 a family, there's always that uh, uh, haunting uh, history, if you will. Uh, that, that, you know, defines uh, your life. Speak to us about
0: that. Well, I was very fortunate to have as a resource, before I finalized the manuscript, um, a grief counselor by the name of Susan Whitmore, who uh, experienced the death of her adult child and went on to become a grief counselor and found an agency called Grief Haven. And I asked her to read the book because I wanted to be sure that I was not misrepresenting the experience that I was doing honor to people who had lived through something so horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I learned from Susan is that there's no one way to experience this uh, death of a child. Everyone is unique, but there are certain things that are um, common or repeated, and she gave me invaluable feedback about that. And, you know, her life and the life of somebody who goes through that is, of course, forever altered. Um, But they also have to find a way to continue for the living. So Sarah has two other children, and she has a husband, she has this family, she has her own life that she needs to um, move forward. She certainly considers um, in the backstory we learn you know that there were times that she wished that she didn't continue living that she wished mm-hmm. she could follow her her infant daughter but she knows that that's not a choice um, and so she, she moves forward and Sarah is drawn to this young homeless mother that she sees because of this need to fill a hole. And so in a lot of ways what I explore is how do, we, how do we recover from loss and how does reaching out to help other people bring a person out of the well that they may be finding themselves in? Mm-hmm. For Sarah, for this individual character, that is what helps her move forward.
1: I just recently I did a show uh a live show uh video show with uh a foundation called the black and missing foundation and it was about uh since uh, since two thousand and eight they were founded and one point two million uh black people have been coming up just coming up missing and uh the the fascinating piece on that which was uh, so fascinating is how do you get closure? Uh, because uh, a lot of these were kids and infants and <coughs> babies as well. Of course, they were older people as well. But how do you how do you get closure for uh, uh, that level of, of, of grief, uh, and 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 how do you move on into other relationships and and develop the heart to give back to others who are least fortunate and uh, less fortunate than you are.
0: Well, what, what I've found in talking with people who have gone through it and and then also as part of the job of novelist is imagining what it would be like to go through it is not that you have closure, but that you live with the loss you and you live with the presence and the memory. Mm. So for example, Sarah. That's
1: very, that's very powerful that you said that. Not to interrupt you, uh, Laura, yeah, but no. it's very powerful because what you're saying, there really is no such thing. As closure.
0: I don't think I would want closure in that situation. I would want to always keep my departed loved one or missing one with me. Mm. And whether that person Mm -hmm. is with you as sort of a a northern star to guide you to do things in their honor, in their memory. You know, Sarah also has... um, Suffered the death of her mother when she was a teenager, and her mm-hmm. mother is a very strong guiding light for her. In fact, when she's trying to decide what should she do with regard to this young homeless mother and baby, you know, should I take them in? Should I? What? Do, what does one do when presented with mm-hmm. this? She hears the voice of her mother in her head, and whether that's really her own conscience. Or you know, thinking, well, what would that person want me to do? What are the values that person embodied? Mm-hmm. In a way, her reaching out to connect to this young woman, Josie, is very much guided by the loss of her mother. So, in that way, I don't think that that closure is something that really is necessary to think about. It's, I think it's probably impossible, and to use the person instead. As your catalyst for doing good in the world is the best tribute you could you could do.
1: I really like that. I think that's the first time anyone has been honest to say that because most people do fight for closure, and I totally agree with you on that. Um, the book portrays, uh, you know, the the, the compassion of, of of this prolonged psychological effect uh, uh, of a grieving process. Uh, when it's stalled, what is, what what? How do you make out with that? Uh, that you know there there are events that happen, and most people I don't think are aware that a brief, the grieving process can take years. Um, most people think that when the event occurs after a short period of time, there's grieving, uh, and then there's also things that come along that. Uh, and whether we inflict it upon ourselves or a life event, where our grieving is stalled.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Speak to us about that.
0: Well, you know, it's it's interesting with with Sarah, maybe her grieving has been stalled in a way because she's really stuck there. It's been about three years since this happened. She's had a, a third child, so now she has two living children, and she is not moving forward until she gets this, um, re- internal reaction from seeing the young woman and her child.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think that every every person's grieving process is is individual, and probably the most important thing is not to feel that you have to do it alone, but to know that there are so many support groups and individuals. <coughs> So even if the first one, the first two that you tried doesn't speak to you mm-hmm. like for Sarah didn't, you know, she goes to a grief group at the local hospital and finds it to be not at all helpful. In fact it's it's does damage. That is also the experience that some people find, but if they if they keep looking for for something different for something better, somebody who connects with you on a different level. Then there there are different resources that they can find to get unstuck. But it is a process that that people have to go through at their own rate.
2: Mhm.
1: Mhm. Uh I like that as well because I think uh many people would go to a grief uh a grief counseling or to a support group. If it didn't work out, they say, well, you know, maybe it's me or just give up. But I like the fact that you say, hey, if, if this one, and, and you did so with, with, with Sarah, this one didn't work out, so I'm going to kind of keep looking uh, because you, you you really become proactive as opposed to reactive and, and re-victimizing of, of, of the situation and the grief that you're in.
0: Right, well, and that's really something that I learned from the uh that re- my resource of Susan Whitmore and Grief Haven because Sarah does get stuck, and both she and Robert don't find what they need in that grief group and just kind of give up on it
2: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, Susan told me that that's very common, and that was why she in fact founded Grief Haven because she found that there weren't the kinds of resources that that she needed as a grieving parent and wanted to create an, a different kind of place
1: fantastic um there was a list of issues (coughs) that was outlined uh in the book or not in the book but uh in your media profile and i like to go i like to have you speak on them and kind of go through them and that one one was face.
0: yeah um you know sarah's mother was a, uh, the daughter of a Guatemalan immigrant who married a secular Jew, Sarah's father, and converted to Judaism. So that's where the issue of faith kind of originates in the novel. She, Sarah's got this mother who who's no longer with her who practiced Judaism but also kept it for her own personal beliefs for the most part, it didn't force it on anybody Um but taught Sarah one of the most fundamental elements about it, which was about the concept of welcoming the stranger and taking care of the stranger, the most vulnerable people in society. And so that's sort of a deep uh, Jewish, probably Judeo-Christian value that Sarah reflects on when she's deciding what to do about helping this new person Mm -hmm. she met. Um, But... And you know, in 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 faith, I think the the interesting thing that I was exploring is is faith just about a belief in a divinity, in a deity, or is faith about action here on earth while we're living?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's the dichotomy that that Sarah kind of represents because she said, you know, I don't believe in God, I don't. Um, you know how how can I, after what had happened to her, how could I believe that mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. but
0: yet she takes her mother's face and the action that she believes it requires take care of people and and absolutely act on that
1: um unbelievable um uh, your background uh and profession as a civil rights uh uh attorney um, is is just screaming throughout this book.
2: <laughs>
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a voice that cannot be quieted. I'm just saying that that uh is this uh kind of at the core who you are.
0: I I I guess it is. Um, you know, we can't deny who you are and 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 every novel, no matter how uh how far-fetched its imaginary world that a person creates, it still springs forth from that person's mind and soul. So, yes, there's a lot of me in there. Um, And I think a lot of what animated and motivated me to become a civil rights lawyer is in there. Um, the The volunteering that I've done, sort of apart from law, is also in there, and that is really how the character of Josie came about, which is I volunteered with an agency that focused on helping homeless families get back into permanent housing and to rebuild their lives, and um, that was called Beyond Shelter. Beyond Shelter has merged with an agency called PASS, and I'm on the board of that group. As a volunteer, I met young women like Josie and I was so taken with their strengths and their inner reserves, their their resilience. Um, people who were just like me except for the fact that they didn't have a supportive family structure to fall back on when time got hard. So mm-hmm. if there was a job loss, there was no grandma and grandpa around to help say, Oh, you can you know, you can have your old room for a while while you get back on your feet or um, you know, to say, you know, we'll take care of you, everything's going to be okay. These women that I met were on their own and taking care of a child. And they definitely became the character of Josie. And I wanted to represent that face of homelessness because so often what we think of as a homeless person, there's a stereotype of mentally ill or addicted or angry. And it's not that there's that, that situation can exist. And I believe those people deserve our respect and our help. But I thought that this was such an uncommon face of homelessness in most people's minds. And it is, mm-hmm. unfortunately it's a reality.
1: Well, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember, Oh, this is probably now about five years ago. I remember watching uh, 60 minutes and they had a, uh the entire show was dedicated to um uh, the uh, uh, uh homeless uh, the, 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 the the financial crisis where the, the, the real estate market went bust <coughs> and they were doing profiles on the new homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh these were highly educated people, uh some, not all, had families living literally in a van because they did everything right, but they ended up losing their home and they became homeless. And uh, you're right. Most people judge uh, homeless people as, you know, vagrants, uh, 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 squatters, and there are literally right now as you and I are talking, families that are living in vans and trucks uh, one, I remember one one gentleman. He was an airline pilot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you believe that an airline mm-hmm. pilot? And, well, and we
0: think about our our veteran population also. Absolutely, right, so much homelessness, and it's just it's a it's a crisis that that begs for us to have action. So I hope that by writing about one character, we could I could humanize that because it's mm-hmm. overwhelming. We think about mm-hmm. you know hundreds of thousands of people, then you, you're you paralyzed to act. But if you sure. learn one person's story, then that's somebody that you can't help but try to to help and to work with.
1: I, I like that. I like that. The other thing that you, you, you talk, you know, you this book is focus, focused on is motherless daughters. Um, and... You know, it's 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 very difficult. Now, you know, obviously I'm a guy, uh, and I am a product of, of, of a single parent household. Yes, I knew my father; he was an alcoholic, he wasn't really around, and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I at least knew him uh, for a period of time. Now, what I knew about him wasn't that great. But uh, I remember having a conversation with Dr. Lou Ann uh, who wrote two best-selling books. One was called The Male Brain, the other was called The Female Brain. And she was on over and she was talking about <clears throat> the necessity <clears throat> of having both parents present uh, in, in in developing and, and growth, and, and, and what happens when that is is missing. And I can only imagine for a daughter. Uh, 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 to to not have a mother or a mother not to have or to have lost a daughter, there's a bond there that the father uh, can never biologically can't even comprehend.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um. They think there's something special between mothers and daughters, and when Sarah loses her mother at age sixteen or seventeen, um she loses the the central figure in her life. Mm -hmm. And she also pretty much starts to lose her father as well because he kind of backs out.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: What's interesting is also who steps into this void is her maternal grandmother, who is one of my favorite characters in the book. This is the woman who was from Guatemala and decided at age 17 to um, escape violence from her family, to to come to the United States and to make herself a life, and who gives birth to Sarah's mother there, and works hard to make her sure her daughter is going to be, go to college and become a professional. And when she and Sarah are together, and learn that Sarah's mother, Bibi's daughter, has died at. The void opens up between the two of them, but it also is like a vacuum that pulls them closer to each other. Mm. And each of them desperately need the other one to to keep going. And and BB is such a you know it's interesting they both both Sarah and BB uh, go through the similar loss. They they each have a daughter who dies, but BB be, maintains this strong and vibrant and filled with life kind of powerful personality while Sarah shrinks into herself.
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess
0: it's just another way of demonstrating that there are different ways of dealing with loss, um, and the two of them kind of embody it. But Bibi really becomes the, the surrogate mother for Sarah, and you know it's fortunate for her that she has somebody to step into that role, because without it, it's, there's, a, there's a real emptiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you said, you know, this is really about those that do not have family to fall back on. Right,
0: Um uh, right.
1: And where do you go when you, um, you know, it's it's a double sense of abandonment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So it's the abandonment of the loss of the loved one. Then there's the abandonment that there's nobody there at the familial level that has your back, you might have some people who are socially uh, there for you in a sense of, uh, oh, you know, I feel for you, you know, we're here for you, but nothing like, you know, a a bloodline. So, uh, unfortunately, I think this book is, fortunately and unfortunately, this book speaks to that larger group and population um, because there are more people who do not have that family to go back on, and in some cases, Laura, I'm sure you can attest as a civil rights uh, attorney, some of those families you don't want to go back to.
0: Well, I mean that's that's certainly true for some of the people that I that I that I met and and clients and and volunteering alike. And an interesting thing is Josie, who's the young woman who's all alone with her child that Sarah reaches out to help. She has family. Um, and that family happens to be uh, pr- pretty strong. You know, we'll find out the reasons you, when you when you read the book why Josie ended up homeless and what happens with her. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. But certainly,
0: the young woman that she's based on um, had had no family structure to go back on. So she, you know, she'd been living with an aunt for a little while. The aunt said, "There's no more room for you." She had grown up in foster care, so there were no parents around. Um, and so that, that's not the kind of family that is going to help you anyway. Um, but, you know, people also tend to make family when they need to. When family when family's not around, you create family. And so in some ways, Sarah and Josie, these two women from very different backgrounds, uh, existing in very different parts of the same city, become a uh, you know, family by, by choice for a period of time.
1: I know this book is not particularly an advice book because it's a novel. It's fiction. It's
2: a novel, right? But (laughs) Laura, but
1: um, yeah, here comes. Wait for (laughs) it. Wait for it. What advice? (laughs) What advice would you give uh, someone who who, whose story is is similar to this in this book that? That that suffers the loss of a of a loved one that that uh, or, or or that is dealing with homelessness and 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 all of it is dealing with and surrounded by grief. It's all about loss. You have different flavors of it at various different times in terms of the experience, but it's all a matter of grief. Your advice on that?
0: You know, I, I think in both situations the vi- the advice is the same, which is to reach out and ask for help. In the case of the the mother, you know, to, to reach out to people because, you know, what I've learned is that so many people don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. They want to help, but they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And for a person to say, I need help, I need you to just sit with me, or can you help me find a place to go where I can talk to someone, that can be the key. And in the same vein, for a person like Josie, who is, you know, finds herself without without a place to live, thank goodness there are places, like i would mentioned before, like Pass Beyond Shelter, who are experts at and caring about trying to help people get back on their path. So people are not alone. But, you know, recently, last week, I was at an event, uh, it was a book event, and it was also celebrating... Um, the work of nonprofits uh, in San Diego who were working on homelessness. And a formerly homeless woman, a veteran, spoke to the group about just that. She said, People are afraid to ask for help. People mm-hmm. don't always want to. And for those of you she was addressing who are not homeless, don't be afraid to go up and ask someone, What do you need? It was very poignant, she said. You know, she walked past a person who was on the sidewalk, and she herself had been homeless and was no longer. Um, And this person was sort of slumped over, and Mm -hmm. people just passed them by. Um, One person dropped some change there, but they didn't have a box. There was no jar saying, you know, money, please. The person was just slumped over, and she said, you know, I, I walked over to them, and I said, are you okay? Do you need anything? And the person said, I'm sick, I don't feel good, and she called an ambulance for them and and got them help. People are not always willing or feel empowered to ask for help, so Mm
2: -hmm. the
0: advice would be do ask for help, and the advice for those who are not suffering from either kind of loss is to reach out and ask somebody, what can I do for you?
1: Mm -hmm. I like that, I like that. I like that that's beautiful um personal story so i was I was going to get my <coughs> car washed and I saw this gentleman uh who was uh sitting uh with a sign and I had not seen him before uh, uh when i go into that uh make that turn into the uh into the lot to go to the car wash and I opened the window and I had five dollars on me uh, in cash and and I said, "Here, sir." And and um, he said, "Thank you very much." And I said, "What's wrong?" He says, "Oh, I hit my head yesterday, and I'm uh, and and uh, I had to go to the hospital. I had a seizure, and he was just dizzy and disoriented." And I said, "Sir, is it okay if I if I you know give you a hug and and, and do you need anything?" And because a lot of times. Um, uh, people don't talk about this, but homeless people are humans. They need to be touched, and, and and a lot of people don't want to touch. Oh, they're dirty. They're humans. They're human beings, and and sometimes just either whether it's shaking their hand or just asking if you need a hug or you're just and it's his. We both were crying, right? So it was both emotional moment, and but you just looked in the in that person's eyes and you saw humanity.
0: Right, right. I, When I became a mother, I started to see people everywhere, including uh, that that man you were describing or somebody on the sidewalk, as someone's child. And I think mm. that it's so easy to forget that because we are put off by somebody hasn't had a chance to bathe, then they're not going to smell good Um or you know other concerns. Sometimes people are acting in ways that maybe you have to judge. I'm not going to approach that person because I don't mm-hmm. feel that it's mm-hmm.
2: safe.
0: But if you can remember to see the humanity in every person, I think it would it would do a lot of good.
1: Um, how can people find you and get in contact with you about uh, this wonderful book?
0: Uh, my website is laurenicolediamond.com. And you can reach me there, and you can find my you know my events coming up. There are links on my website to purchase the book. Um, it's available everywhere you find books, so at local independent stores and Barnes and Noble and Amazon, um, every everywhere online. And uh, I would I love to hear back from people. I have every, such wonderful feedback and great conversations. So if people want to find me. That's my website, LauraNicoleDiamond.com. I'm also on Facebook at Laura Nicole Diamond Author, and I even tweet.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> I I'm
0: I'm trying to to be hip, uh, Laura N Diamond and the number one. So all those all those places all those usual places
1: fantastic laura i appreciate that you wrote this book and took time out of your life to do so because it's going to heal so many more oh, uh, thank you so it, much it is a very very well written very uh powerful very poignant and uh if the, for those listening when you read this book if you didn't have or you're struggling with your levels of humanity you will have it
2: <laughs> you, you,
1: you will find your humanity when you read this book uh, So, so please make a point to go and put this on your shelf. It's something that's necessary for for you to read, and as as an adult. But also, I would I would go back, uh, go a little further and say, hey, maybe this is something you can gift to uh, some friends and family, uh, and also share, and maybe co read with your kids so that they can begin understanding the story of humanity. If you're not able to explain it to them or don't have necessarily a model to explain it to them, this book will be able to give you that uh, model, and you'll be able to share that with your child and have a wonderful uh, connection uh, and and a history and a moment uh, uh, in your timeline with your child or children uh, that, uh, I think this book can only do. So I appreciate you for actually taking the time and, 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 and writing this, uh, because I know what it takes to write a book. I've written ten. Uh, so this is, there's no, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a passion. And also, I want to thank you, Laura, for your, your passion as a civil rights, uh, attorney and what you're doing for homelessness, uh, and what you are continuing to do. Uh, and the body of work And how you've helped so many lives Because it's all a ripple effect
0: Well thank you I really enjoyed speaking to you about it And it's it's clear you are A, a similar like minded And beautiful soul So it's been really fun to see Absolutely.
1: Absolutely God bless Come back anytime on the show And uh, uh, we look forward to talking to you soon
0: Okay thanks so much Appreciate Thanks. It. You got it thanks,
1: Laura. Bye bye Bye